Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. COVID-19 has turned the world upside down. But is there any hope for us in these dark times? As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Please let's give glory to God for them again. Such a wonderful, wonderful time in His presence. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. And good morning, everyone. It's a joy to be here amongst you all again. And um, I'm really grateful for the presence of God in this place today. Just realizing again how much I have missed fellowship. Just seeing everybody, just enjoying God together and knowing that there's a lot of love, a lot of um, fellowship, a lot of unity, harmony, togetherness in his presence. It's an amazing feeling. Some of you will understand what I'm saying because it's been a really, really long time since I have been a part of a lot of our meetings. But I thank God for today. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Mighty God, we thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness and your love towards us. Thank you that you are a long-suffering God. We thank you that even when we were sinners, you came and you died for us. Now you have made us a part of your family. You have made us your people and we are grateful. Thank you for your presence here this morning. We ask, O oh God, that your glory, your glory will fill this place more and more. That your glory will be revealed in our lives more and more, O oh God. That will be those who glorify you in the way we love one another, in the way we care for one another, in the way we even reach out to those who are not yet part of your household. As we turn to your word this morning, Holy Spirit, I ask that you bring understanding, bring revelation. Give utterance, I pray, that we shall be blessed. Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So over the past several, several weeks, we've been working through spiritual gifts, and now we moved on to love, and it's been exciting. I've been missing most of the meetings, but I try and get feedback as much as I can, and I've been really, really enjoying it. And um, now, in our series on love, we've come to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and... We're going to be looking at verse 4. So our topic for today is love is patient. Love is patient. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Hallelujah. So this one we are looking at, love is patient. And why would the apostle want to talk about love in this way? Before he got to this point, he has spoken and taught a lot about the spiritual gifts. Amazing gifts that we spoke and taught about as well over several weeks in our um, prayer times and in our Thursday Bible studies. In our Sunday preachings, we talked about the spiritual gifts. So we looked at all the revelatory gifts, the gifts of knowledge, the power gifts, and all that. 
And I believe that the Apostle Paul knew what he was doing here. He realizes that sometimes when there's so much gifts in the church, when there's so much of the power of God at work in the people's lives, it comes a place where people begin to feel that, yeah, we are, we are the ones, you know. I have this gift, I have that gift, I have that power, I have that power. And very soon it becomes even like a competition. Very soon there are factions. I belong to Apollos, I belong to Paul. Those kinds of things happen. And it was happening in the Corinthians church as well. So it was important to him to, to ground everything and to help them understand that, listen, all these wonderful, amazing gifts, speaking in tongues, you know, prophesying and all that, they are meaningless. They are meaningless and they are useless without love. And so he tends to love by saying there are three things. There is faith, there is hope, and there is love. But he tells us the greatest of these is love. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to now teach us what love is. And interestingly, the first thing he mentions about love is patience. He says love is patient and kind. Love is patient. I think it's important and we all know that it is, but it's so good to go through it and know that this is not just Apostle Paul teaching this. The Bible itself has in several places made us aware that as Christians, as children of God, our hallmark, our foundation, our backbone is supposed to be love. Hallelujah. Jesus said in John 13, 34-35, he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It can't be clearer than that. If he was to single out one thing that would show people that we were his disciples, we were believers in him, he says it will be the way we love one another. So love is key. Love is paramount. And in Matthew 22, 35 to 40, we are also told that the whole of the law can be summed up in love. Loving God with all of our hearts, our mind, all of our souls, our might, everything, and then loving our neighbor as ourselves. So I believe that there should be no doubt about it in everybody's mind, that despite all the amazing gifts, no matter how much you speak in tongues, how much you prophesy, how well you can preach, how well you can heal the sick, no matter what you can do, if there is no love, then we really are serving a different God. We really are not disciples of Jesus. The hallmark is love. So how can we have this love demonstrated or shown in our lives? Apostle Paul says, the first thing is patience. There'll be a culture of patience among the people of God. What does the word patience mean? I looked it up and the Bible scholars tell us that it's derived from the Greek word macrothumia which if you translate it literally means big, macro, you know, big. And then thumia has, is supposed to be like your heart or your soul, sometimes passion or head, so pain. So literally it's supposed to mean something like you have a big heart or you have a big capacity for enduring pain and suffering. Macrothermia, a big heart. I like to say a big soul. Because remember that in our previous studies a few maybe months back, I remember I did a teaching on human beings, the fact that we are not just flesh, 
but we are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. So think about it that way. If someone has those three parts, and the inner man, the soul, the heart begins to expand and become big, think about it. Proportionately, it means that the body will become smaller, isn't it? Because the whole person, you are not expanding, no. But somehow your soul is getting bigger, expanding. I like that thought. The fact that your soul is expanding, the inner man is growing, becoming deeper, becoming bigger. It means that the flesh, the body, is beginning to diminish. It's becoming smaller and smaller. And I think that's an important thing to bear in mind when we think about patience. Because patience at its utmost, I would say, is the total killing of the ego. Total laying down of the self where you are no more in a place where you are struggling to fight for your right. You want it to happen your way. Your, your, your ego, your reputation has been touched. And so you find that your patience is tested in those times. When the flesh is big, when the body is big, when the self is big, it's very difficult to be patient. But as the soul expands, as the inner man gets bigger and deeper into the things of God, as the spirit enlarges, we find that patience becomes almost automatic. The standard definition for it, according to the Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament, it says that macros, he agrees, is big, but it says that it can also mean a long time, long, a long time, macros. And tumia can also be a state of intense displeasure, which we said earlier, like hurt. So if you put those two together as well, patience will mean the state of being able to endure displeasure for a long time. It's a similar meaning, isn't it? You have a big heart. You're able to stomach a lot of nonsense for a long time. Your fuse is long. You've all heard that before. This guy has a very short fuse. It means that your, your, your heart, your soul is, is small. The fuse is short. Small thing, no, actually, you flare up. But being patient is being long-suffering. You can bear suffering for a long time. You can bear displeasure for a long time. You can bear insults. You can bear negative treatment. We need to balance this with the whole idea of self-love and everything. It's one side. But then there's also the side where the self has to really, really, really be put down in the interest of other people. Amen? The scriptures are always like that. One of my, my mentors used to tell me that the Bible is not a purely theological book. It's a pastoral book. So we need both sides of the coin. For somebody's situation, you need to stress the other side because they're not loving themselves at all and they're just loving everybody else. It doesn't work well. So you need to give them that. But there's another side where you find yourself loving yourself so much you forget about everybody else. It's all about me, 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 me. So we need to hold them in tension. Hallelujah. So we get to a place where we're able to endure displeasure or suffering for a long time. How does this show in our lives? It shows in the way we treat people who have set us or stand in our way. How do you react? When things are not going your way, when people don't live up to your expectation, how do you react? Do you flare up? Do you get angry? Do you get upset and just walk away? Or do you even hit back or revenge? How do you react? When you're patient, be able to absorb it for longer than is normal, humanly speaking. I know everybody has the end of their fuse at some point. 
until we become perfect like Christ. But we are meant to be growing in our inner person. Our soul, our heart is meant to be getting bigger and bigger so that the flesh is getting smaller and smaller and we are becoming more and more patient or tolerant. Our relationships with God, with family, fellow believers, friends, unbelievers, our enemies, the way we relate to them will show whether we are patient or not. It will show whether we are loving or not. Because love is patient. Sometimes we get impatient even with God. We think God is not doing what we expect him to do. We think time is running out. We assume that we know better than God. Our timelines are, are better than his. And so we have our timeline. We expect God to go according to that. When that is not happening, we get upset. We get impatient. We begin to question God. We begin to react in negative ways. We need to watch that. Understand that God is God. Understand that we are only men and women. Understand that his ways are higher than our ways. He has bigger plans. He has a huge perspective compared to what we have. So let's learn to trust him. Let's be patient when things are not going the way we expect it to go. Knowing that he has our best interest at heart. Hallelujah. That's what love is. If you know he loves us, we will come to that soon though. Relationships with family. That's where patience can be tested the most. Because that's where love really works out, isn't it? Between husband and wife, between parents and children, between siblings, it can be tough. The patience is tested every day. Every day. I know I test my wife's patience every day. Every day. Sometimes in little things. Like having from work and moving your shoes and just throwing them anywhere. She has said it a million times and I still do it. You tell your children, switch the light off when you get out of the room. You say it a million times and in one day I go to their room like 10 times to switch off the lights. It takes patience not to flare up and get angry and react in certain ways. But patience is about learning how to relate to each other in every setting. Your parents, how are you relating to them? Are there issues that need to be resolved? Are you being long-suffering with them? As they get older, sometimes they can become like children. And it's our time to now look after them and be patient with them. Patience in our relationships with our parents. With our fellow believers in church, let's be patient with one another. Sometimes we think that because a person is a Christian, at once he should be matured. But it doesn't work that way. We are all at different stages of development and growth. Some of us, we come to Christ, but the flesh is still big. It will take a lot of discipleship and training and, you know, teaching and life's experiences for us to grow in maturity. So we need to learn to be patient with one another. In a church like this, people will step on your toes. It's normal, it's natural, it's to be expected. When it happens, endure it again and again and again. Have a big heart. Suffer long. Don't let your fuse be short. Don't say this is the third time. No. Jesus said 70 times 7. So let's be patient with one another. Let's allow one another to grow. It can happen with people that you are discipling as well. The same sins and they keep going again and again and again. Please, let's be patient. It doesn't happen in one day. With our own friends, but especially with unbelievers as well, we need to be patient. We need to be very, very patient. 
But people who we think are not like us, who we think we don't believe in God, who we don't like their lifestyles, let's be patient in the way we, we respond to them and interact with them. Let's have time for them. It may be a slow process, but when you have a goal in mind, you're able to be patient towards them. And that is what may draw them to God. As they see you being patient and they know that it's not normal to have that, that may be what will attract them to you. And then they may get a gospel from you. Relationships, finally, I'll talk about being our enemies. Those who hate us. A big thing in our churches today is the whole thing of praying for your enemies to die and to, you know, I can never get used to that. It is so, I think, different from the spirit of Christ. It is different. I've had arguments at work with some of my colleagues about this who believe that it's, it's proper. If somebody wants you down, why should you want them alive, you know? You should get them out. But I think that love is patient. Love gives even our enemies a long rope. Love prays that they will one day change. I even like to pray that they should live long. I like that idea and see how God will make me. You know, it's, 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 it's a mindset you should have. Don't get angry easily at people and want to take revenge and want to get them out of their way. Let's learn to be patient even with our enemies. When we disagree with people or are hurt by them, how do we react? When we don't get what we want, how do we react? Revenge? Sometimes we don't revenge, but we just remember and complain and tell everybody else about it. Or sometimes we just give up on them and walk away. That is also not patience. Patience is actually being loving towards them. Love is patient. Love seeks the good of the other. Love, therefore, is patient. Love is considerate of others' feelings and tries to understand so that it doesn't rush into reaction mode, but calmly considers the position of the other person and looks out for the best interest of the other person. When you are patient, one of the ways you, you find your mind works is that you make excuses for people. You rationalize their behavior the way you would do for yourself. Remember, you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. And we are very good at rationalizing when it comes to us. When I'm late, I, I, I don't think it's a problem because I know it's because I, I slept at 5 a.m. I know that, and I think it's an excuse. I slept at 5 a.m., so it's okay to come in to check 10 minutes late. It's all right. But when somebody is late, why don't you try to rationalize for them? There could be a thousand and one reasons why they are also late, but their mind doesn't work that way. At once, we blame them and we judge them. Patience talks about thinking for the other person, feeling for them, empathizing with them. And so you don't get angry and react negatively. But rather you are supportive, you are understanding, and you carry them along. Very important to do that. Trying to, to explain for the other person so that you don't get angry and upset and frustrated. There's a quote that I love so much. It says that patience is more than just waiting calmly in a line. It's waiting calmly when people are out of line. Don't you like that? I mean, it's patience enough if you're able to wait your turn in the queue nicely. The queue is long, but you are patient, so you wait. But what happens when somebody gets out of line? When somebody upsets you, like in that very queue, one person who's three steps behind you gets out of line and then wants to be the first one. That is where patience is really tested. Are you going to be quiet and just watch? Are you going to fight back and flare up and insult? Listen to their order? Think about it. Patience is not being able to stand calmly in line, but to do so when someone is out of line. True patience is the state of being able to endure displeasure for a long time, we have said. But not just that, 
But in that state, to respond in kindness. That's why it says, love is patient and kind. As we mature in Christ, we get to a place where we're able to do that. You're not only patient, you're able to actually not react, which is good enough. But after, the next step will be, you don't react, but you actually now respond in a kind way. That is spiritual maturity. That is more mature than speaking in tongues for 10 hours or preaching an amazing sermon or healing a sick person. It shows the spirit of Christ in you. And the fellow has offended you. You were going to react as you normally would. But now because of the work Christ is doing in your heart, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, you not only hold your ground and not react, you're actually able to think through it, process it, and you respond in a loving and kind way. Think about it. Peter reacted and cut off the ear of the soldier. But Jesus responded with kindness. Took it, fixed it back. Patience is one of the marks of maturity, spiritual maturity. Colossians 3, 12 to 13. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Hallelujah. Romans 12, 14, and then 17 to 21. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. So we find that these things that we are talking about are not natural attributes of man. The natural man will struggle to do this. But then, it's a God thing. Hallelujah. Patience is an attribute of God. And we see that in the Bible in several places. I don't want to go through it all, but Psalm 103, 13 to 14 is one of them. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. So even God rationalizes for us. He says they are human, they are dust. One of my mentors has also written a book with that title, God Knows You Are Human. It's a good book. God understands. But we refuse to understand that other human beings are human as well. We are all human. We are all frail. We are all jars of clay. Even your leaders, your pastors, listen, we are all jars of clay. The Bible says we have these treasures in jars of clay. The treasures and the gifts in us do not suddenly turn us into jars of silver or gold or platinum. But the, the, the thing is that as we grow in Christ, the clay, the flesh, diminishes in size. As the soul and the spirit expands, the inner man expands. But until we see him, when we shall fully be like him, 
Now glorified states. We still have a bit of the flesh there to deal with every day. So every day we need to learn to kill the, the flesh as we let the, the heart and the soul get bigger and bigger. Macrothemia, long-suffering, patience. Hallelujah. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Forbearance here is another word for patience. So some also say long-suffering. So what I'm saying here is that it is not a human attribute. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It is the work of God. It happens to the inner person and is transformed and shown in our behavior and our actions. So how can we grow in this long-suffering love? Quickly, I just put some things together. And one of the tips I'll give is that, one, by recognizing God's long-suffering love for us. That's how we can grow in our own love for people and our patience. God is love. And the Bible tells us that we only love because he first loved us. So that's a good place to start from. Dwell on God's love. Dwell on his long-suffering love for you. Remember, consider how it was with you before you became saved. Before the grace of God appeared in your life, how did you used to live your life? How were you like? What mistakes were you making? What faults did you have? When you came to Christ, did you change at once? How did he deal with you? Slowly but surely, forgiving you as you made mistakes, as you went back to say, Father, I'm sorry. He forgave you. He helped you. He gave you a long rope. And many of us, he's still giving us a very, very long rope. We know we are far from perfect. When we consider how much we have wronged him, how much we deserved his wrath and his anger, and for him to have given up on us long ago, but he still holds us and sustains us, that should motivate us to reciprocate when it comes to other people. So the love that you have received from God, the grace that you have received, as you dwell on it and meditate on it and enjoy it, Honestly, it transforms you. It does something inside of you so that you are able to show the same love and grace and patience to other people. Hallelujah. To recognize God's long-suffering love for us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. In Exodus 34, 66, he talks about that as well. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. That's how patient God is towards us. So let's learn to be patient with others as well because God is patient towards us. 1 Timothy 1, 15 to 16. I'm the worst of sinners. That's Apostle Paul talking. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who believe on him and receive eternal life. So, no matter how bad we are, God exercises unlimited patience towards us. Like Apostle Paul, let's recognize that. That God has been gracious and merciful. And we also are, will then be able to show that to other people. The more the eyes of understanding are open to see how high, how deep, and how wide is the love of God for us in Christ Jesus, the more we appreciate how undeserving we are of his great patience for us in all our frailties our imperfections, our mistakes, when we let him down again and again and again, our frequent falling and begging for mercy, sometimes our plain stupidity and silliness. When we consider all this, we can't help but marvel at his grace 
and long-suffering love towards us. And this realization humbles us. It breaks us. It destroys all confidence in the flesh because we know that it's not by our own might or power. We know it's by his grace that we are standing. So that makes us begin to see that, hey, it's not about me. And what that when that happens, like I've said, your soul enlarges and expands in gratitude towards God. It grows in grace. The flesh diminishes as you lose confidence in the flesh and you begin to look to God more and more. Number two, develop a craftsman mentality. This is something that I've always dwelled on. I've always said I have to write a book called A Craftsman because I think that it's a beautiful analogy for all of life. You know, a craftsman has a vision of something and is patient enough to work towards that. So maybe if it's someone who, who makes statues out of stone, he starts with a rock. The rock is ugly, it's bad, it's shapeless, it's formless, but he sees a beautiful statue in that and he goes to work slowly and patiently, sometimes over several years to bring out what he sees. The same with an artist, an empty canvas, but he sees a picture on it and he patiently works to bring it to pass. Craftsmen are like that. We need to have that mentality that we are all God's workmanship. All of us are works in progress. You are, I am. When you have that mentality, you give people time. You give people time. You see the potential in them. You know that though they have all these faults and frailties, though they, they, they mess you up all the time, you look beyond their actions and see what is deep down, the way God sees them. Because I tell the truth, God sees perfect people. God sees potential. When you're in Christ, he doesn't even see the sin at all. He's focused on that finished work of perfection, total righteousness, and he works that out over time. Even for sinners and unbelievers, he still sees that potential. He sees that, and that's why he's patient with us. Let's learn to see that as well. Let's look beyond people's faults and mistakes. Let's learn to be patient. Not only that, let's do our part in trying to, as craftsmen, your job is to do what you can do to move that person towards attaining that potential. So it's not just about being patient and holding back and not being angry. You show kindness by now doing something that will bring out the best in that person. And patience and kindness transform people. Hallelujah. So love is patient. Develop a craftsman mentality. It can be a slow process, but it's a sure process. God will always finish what he started in us. We must believe that. In your husband, in your wife, in your children, don't lose patience. Don't give up. The God he who has begun this good work, he shall complete it. Have that mindset. Take a long-term view like the craftsmen do. I have a friend who does carvings. He's good. But sometimes you go to his hall and see, he said, I did this one. He said, how long did it take you? He said, it took me six years. I've been working on that one 10 years. I haven't finished yet. You see that long-term view? You will see it and think it's unfinished and it's ugly, but he knows what is in his mind. He sees a perfect thing. So slowly and patiently, day by day, he's working at it. That is patience. Love sees the best in people and suffers long, bears with a lot of stupidity and rubbish and debt to get to that point. That is what evangelism and discipleship is all about. You see people, you see the potential in them, you try to bring it out. First by bringing them to Christ. That's evangelism, isn't it? Then you disciple them to grow and bring out that full structure that you alone can see in them. So that's patience. Love is patient. And finally, by continually being filled by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We've heard already that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. So if you want to be patient, 
you need the Holy Spirit. It's as simple as that. Romans 5, 4 to 5. And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it. And so finally, our hope and faith are strong and steady. Then when that happens, we are able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know that all is well. For we know how dearly God loves us. This is the Living Bible. I love it. So simple. No matter what happens and know that all is well. For we know how dearly God loves us. And we feel this warm love everywhere within us. Because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Hallelujah. This is a popular one in the King James Version. The Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost has cast abroad the love of God in our hearts. It is a function of the Holy Spirit to give us love and to make us patience. Love and patience and long-suffering love are fruits of the Spirit according to Galatians 5.22. So the more we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the more our flesh decreases until we are completely selfless. Ego is taken out of the way. The flesh or the self is subdued. We begin to love others more as the Holy Spirit enables us. He expands our hearts so that we become big-hearted. We become macrothermic, if there's a word like that. So come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill our hearts. Give us your love. Make us patient. Make us those who are long-suffering. With you, yourself, God, with our family, our spouses, our children, our parents, our friends, our colleagues at work. We ask, mighty God, that you give us the capacity to suffer long, to bear with people's faults, to bear with insults, to bear with unfair treatments, to not always fight for our right to be angry, to be upset, to walk away, to revenge, to hit back, but expand us that in love, instead of reacting, we will respond in kindness. And so demonstrate your grace and your love to a world around us that needs love more than anything else. That we might draw them towards you as we exhibit your love and your patience. In Jesus' mighty name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church on Zoom, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.